we're talking about in this passage is coming into the light, what it's like when you come into the light. But the radical light that I think is being imagined by John here is not a light that comes from one point like floodlights, but such an embracing light that there's almost no possibility of shadow coming from it. Does that make sense? It was either that or there'd be absolute shadow from every direction. And sort of what he's saying is, if you get the Christian life wrong, you can leave, if we see a shadow as a bad thing, you can leave a shadow behind you. Um, But if you keep coming back into the light of God, which goes all around you in every direction, it will even take away the mess behind you. When you're in the light, everything changes. Um, When you block the light in some way, it causes a problem, causes a shadow. But if you just come back into the full light again, uh, it all disappears. And that might not make sense in human physics, but it sort of made sense to me as I was listening to the passage being read, thinking, what is it like to be in the light of God, which is all-encompassing, all-embracing? So um, Dave has begun his his talk here by... um, by asking the question, why has he organized the series so that we're going to the beginning of this book at the end of the series? If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been right through uh, the book of 1 John. And he's saying that the reason that we come back into this passage now is because uh, the, the way that John starts is sort of has this sort of slightly complicated language about the word of life and uh, proclaiming this and so forth. And uh, reading the rest of the book in some ways makes sense of what, what's happening. John's addressing his readers and hearers as my children or my dear children, uh, and he's reminding us of the sermons we've heard over the last few weeks. So Stephen uh, talking about God being our father, and he was uh, saying, if you remember a few weeks ago, that when Jesus comes into the world, 260 out of about 400 references uh, to God the Father are in very intimate terms with Jesus. Jesus changes the story for us. Uh, he, he adapts how we see the picture of, of God. Uh, Dennis then was uh, telling us about what is being valuable and what, how do we steer through our lives um, and uh, talking about the Holy Spirit being one that helps us in there. And he was reminding us of a story that I told about a, a lamb who cried when her, uh, her lamb was, a girl who cried when her lamb was sold and how the buyer misunderstood her tears of happiness, uh, selling the lamb um, or giving the lamb back to her, uh, which she then delighted in eating. Um, and, uh, and something around how Jesus is Lord. And then Emma talking about faith overcoming, um, being, overcoming faith, having victory, uh, and all these things. But the, as we look back at 1 John, um, we, we hear him saying that he wants to proclaim a message. Uh, there's a message that he wants to proclaim to us, and it's about this word, this word of life, and this light of the world, as we're going to have it here. Um, this, this, um, this Christ, the eternal word, is in sort of face-to-face fellowship. He's the one who brings us close to God. And, um, and this can apply to us as well. He's saying, we, we've, uh, we've seen the word of life. It's appeared. We testify it. We proclaim it to you. And what was the Father has appeared to us. We proclaim what we've seen and heard so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship's with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is that you can have this incredibly intimate fellowship with God through Jesus. 
Uh, and he, he finishes that paragraph with this little phrase, we write this to make our joy complete. It's interesting, isn't it? It's a little phrase that there's something about the relationship you can have with God the Father, that Jesus has with God the Father, that you can have as well, that can make joy complete. I don't know if you were just to pause for a moment and think, when was my joy complete? <laughs> what a lovely phrase, isn't it? I mean, joy is a huge theme. Um, when, when does it become complete? And he's saying something about when you know what you were made for, who you're made for, who's made you, it makes everything complete. It's when you can call um, God Daddy, Abba, Daddy, that sort of sense of where they're in it. Uh, Dave says there was never a time when the word of God was not, and yet there was a moment, a definitive moment, when the word of life appeared, when it was manifested and experienced by humanity in this material world of time and space. The Christian message has taken personal form in a person who could be seen, heard, and even touched. And the gospel in which we believe and by which we're saved is the eternal son of the Father who, for us mankind and for our salvation, came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit who became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man, as we read in the Creed. And John then, Dave carries on to say, uses the term light to talk about God. Um, in the beginning, light. He reminds us of uh, Genesis 1, verse 3, where God speaks and light happens. Light and love are the essence of who God is. There's a correlation between God's word and light. His words execute his purposes. Both actions and words reveal God's character. God who creates begins with light, and this light comes growth, activity, beauty, life, and light itself. The God is light. And if you want to be in a relationship with God, you have to come into the light. This is verse 5 onwards. Uh, where, where there is light, there's no darkness at all. Um, if we look down then at verse 8, we cannot, say, uh, we cannot say we are not sinners, denying our sinful nature, uh, which goes on inside. We cannot say I haven't sinned, denying the outward symptoms, for denying our sinful activities make God out to be a liar. As we walk with God in his light, our lives are being searched by his truth. So we'll begin to realize how many marks of sin we have in us. I don't know if you're familiar, there's, there's a prayer called the prayer of examine. Um, and the idea is at the end of a day, you stop and you think back over everything that's gone on in the day. Uh, both counting your blessings, name them one by one, but also different mistakes. And it's this sort of idea of scrutinizing yourself as you look through it. Um, and I wonder if, um, if that's been your experience of walking with God as you come into his light. Um, has it made you feel more and more comfortable? I'm just perfectly fine, thank you. Or has it sometimes made you go, oh my goodness me. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm everything I want to be yet. It's strange, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you've got the spotlight on you and you're like, I'm in the light. On the other hand, you're like, I'm also blinded by the light sometimes. And walking closely with God has this unnerving ability to both um, give us incredible confidence that we know where we're going and we know whose we are, but also when we look in on ourselves to go, oh my goodness me, maybe I'm casting a shadow that I didn't want to cast. Maybe I'm getting in the way of the light. And so oftentimes here, the New Testament rebukes our double-mindedness. There's this story of Charles Spurgeon, 
who is confronted by a man who claimed to be without sin, and he asks him to dinner. And after hearing the claims through, he picks up a glass of water and throws it in the uh, perfected man's face. And uh, the visitor's not quite so perfect after he has the water chucked in his face. And he uh, replies not very courteously. And Spurgeon said, ah, you see, the old man within you that you thought you got rid of is not dead. He'd simply fainted and could be revived by a glass of water. (laughs) And even on our best days, we're often just... uh, a glass of water away from breaking point, aren't we? Uh, there is a danger that we resist this process of conviction and cleansing, that we allow God to go so far and no further, like that penetrating light that hits a blockage. For it's this reason that we need a radical break from sinful nature in order to be true to our relationship with God, in order to bring God glory. If we're to continue to fellowship with God, we must be prepared to let him deal radically with our lives. And this starts with confession. In confession, we acknowledge to ourselves our sins of thought, word, and deed, whether caused by negligence, weakness, or deliberate faults. This is verse 9. It's one of the most wonderful verses, I think, in the Scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? What do you have to do? All I have to do is confess. What does he do? He purifies us from all unrighteousness. What's the exchange? Me having the humility to go, I blocked the light. What's the, what's the, uh, the verdict? Here comes the light for you again. Um, this is not on the grounds of how brilliantly we repent, but on the grounds of what he's already done for us when he died for our sins. God be praised that he's given us his son to shine his light in us and to walk with us as God guided Israel through the desert. Jesus has gone before us and knows the way. Dave uh, says he was listening to Richard Buse at All Souls Langham Place. Uh, And he said this, other people around us, they're not going to look at their Bibles, they're going to look at you. Other people aren't going to listen to sermons, they're listening to your vocabulary, your attitudes, your words. You are their Bible. We're we're the ones who get to show people what the light looks like, what what it's like. So what's what's John's aim in writing about light and about the word coming? His aim in 2 verse 1 is that you will not sin. That you will not sin. That's what he's aiming for, people. He longs us to get to the place where we go, I'm just not going to sin anymore. But he's also, in the same breath, aware that if we claim that we don't sin, we're deceiving ourselves. So his aspiration is, don't sin. His caution is, if you think you're not sinning, you're deluded. (laughs) Um, And so he then says, look, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Righteous One, And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's what we say every week as we come to communion, isn't it? The Book of Common Prayer. It's where we get these words from. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the light of the world. He's what everyone needs. Sin gets in the way between us and God. And the aspiration is that we actually get into the light so much that sin isn't there. 
We let the light come round us in that glorious way so there's no shadow. Because we keep hiding away and sort of claiming our little bit, we make the shadows. Um, But every time we get it wrong, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And as soon as we say sorry, as soon as we say thank you, as soon as we say please, he purifies us from all unrighteousness. Isn't it wonderful? So I think what John would want to leave us with at the end of this uh, great series we've had in his uh, first epistle is where are you heading? Are you aiming to be someone who doesn't sin? Are you aiming to live in the light? Are you aiming to be right with God? Are you aware that it's only Jesus' work that gets you there? Are you confident that he saved you? Are you confident that you're safe with him? Are you confident that you're right with him? And then are you letting that message shine out to other people around you? Let me just say those words from verse 9 again. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's true for everyone you'll meet today as well. That's the tipping point. If they'll only confess their sins, he's already done this for the whole world. They'll only say sorry. How will they know to say sorry? Because someone shares the message with them. How will they know they need to get right with God? Because someone shares them with him. I wonder who today we might share the love of God with so that they too can come into this glorious free relationship knowing that he has become their beautiful mercy seat, their depths of burning light. May God bless this word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.